Welcome, Weirdos! I'm Darren Marlar, the host of Weird Darkness, where I bring you true stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, crime, conspiracy, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Named one of the 20 best storytellers in podcasting by Podcast Business Journal and ranked one of the best true crime and paranormal podcasts by Podcast Magazine. Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness, posted seven days per week. Find Weird Darkness everywhere you listen to podcasts or visit WeirdDarkness.com. A bizarre experience involving lost time leaves behind a puzzling clue. And then we travel out to the suburbs to meet a man who's kicking back in his bedroom trying to relax. But just when he thinks it's time to finally fall asleep, the unexplainable enters his room. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing out there in the world. Whether you're doing something completely legal or doing what our next Patreon user loves to do. He loves to do illegal things. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command. Give it up for one of our legacy Patreon supporters, Steroids and Crack Cocaine. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! We're all saying we because all this crack cocaine is now flooded into Dead Rabbit Command. Steroids and crack cocaine, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, you guys aren't made out of illegal drugs, that's fine too. Just please spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, talk about it online. Those are so many ways that you can help the show grow. It really means a lot. When I see people recommending the show Dead Rabbit Radio, because that means that I know that you guys are out there spreading the word. Really, really appreciate that. Steroids and crack cocaine. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the... What vehicle do we want to use? Where are we going? Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the hair hovercraft. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command, steroids and crack cocaine. Drive us all the way out to America's favorite swamp. Georgia. <laughs> Steroids and crack cocaine driving us all the way out to swampy Georgia. Specifically, we're headed to Atlanta, Georgia. It's May 2016. And we're about to meet a painter. His name, well, he doesn't give his real name. We're going to go ahead and call him Charles. Apparently, this guy posted this online, and someone found out where he worked. Someone was like, hey, I know, I know you, or at least I'm familiar with your work. He's not a house painter, he's an artist painter. And Charles, apparently he works for this group of restaurants, and they have this unique style. And all of their restaurants, they have, some of you guys may know what this is, or have been here. There's multiple restaurants. He paints books onto the ceilings of restaurants. 
So he writes out like it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Old Ed Dickens walked into the city of London looking for orphans to buy. Like he's writing out the novels. He's writing out novels on the ceilings. It's an artistic thing. I don't think anyone actually reads them. They're like, honey, can we go back to this restaurant? I'm up to chapter seven. We have to get a new table. Eventually, you're just standing in the bathroom looking up, reading the epilogue. But he does this, and someone was like, oh, yeah, I love those restaurants. <laughs> they were able to figure out not who this guy was, but the restaurant changed. Anyways, he's a ceiling mural painter. That's a pretty specific job occupation. And he's at this restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia. And his wife's there to assist him. Like, she probably gets some stuff and goes, good job, or you misspelled that word. Like, stuff like that. She's not painting as well. It's 7.45 p.m. And he remembers this. Charles remembers this time because something quite odd happened. He's writing stuff on the ceiling. And then old Charlie Dickens said, no more orphans for you. The orphanage went out of business shortly afterwards. He's writing that down. And he says he's just got started. He's about 20 minutes in. And his wife is probably just kind of sitting there. And she's like, hey, I'm going to go change my clothes. <laughs> his paint's dripping on her. She's all like just covered covered in all this oil, oil paint. She's like, I'm going to go change my clothes. I'm going to go to the van. I guess they live out of a van. <laughs> They're actually hobos. They're breaking into restaurants, painting stuff on there. Painting the ramblings of Max Kramer on the ceiling. The story of Weregold all started when... So she leaves the restaurant to go change in their van. <laughs> they might not live in the van. I'm sure they have a hotel room. I don't know. Maybe they do live in the van. They, she goes out to the van to change her clothing. He's like... Dum, 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 dum. Now, he, her part of her job, too, is to read. This sounds so monotonous. I'm sure he gets paid well. At least Obi does. She reads what he's painting. So she's down there in the book and she's be like, and then the gruel master said, who wants seconds? But the kids' tummies were already full. Too much gruel for this afternoon. And he would be like, wait, how do you spell gruel? How many O's? And she's like, what? She reads the book. Why don't you just get a book on tape? She reads the book. He paints it on the ceiling. Sounds so monotonous. So he is only up there for maybe, they'd only started this maybe about 20 minutes ago. He's up there for about four or five minutes by himself. He's probably trying to remember, what did the gruel master say again? And he's working with this paint. It's flat latex paint. A very specific type of paint. He's painting up there at this point. You know, it's closer to about 8 p.m. from when he started. He puts his brush down on the top of his paint bucket Climbs down the ladder and goes, ah, time for a smoke break. <laughs> time for a smoke break around all this flammable wet paint. He's down off the ladder. He's smoking a cigarette. The next thing he knows, he's laying down on one of the bench seats in the restaurant. That's what he called them. Generally, they're referred to as booths, but maybe they're called something else where he's from. He's sitting down on the bench. I guess I probably should have said this to the, the restaurant is still being built at this point. There's not customers. They're like, uh, sir, I'm pretty sure there's uh, paint in my soup. There's no customers there. The restaurant hasn't been open for business yet. He's painting the ceiling. So there's still like construction workers there during the day. Him and his wife come at night. It's kind of this in-progress restaurant. But he wakes up. He just has no idea of how he got to this bench seat. He wakes up and the lights in the restaurant are flashing on and off. He's confused. He's in a daze. He doesn't know what happened. 
He looks at his phone. It's 10.30 p.m. So he has no memory of the past two and a half hours. And as the lights are flashing on and off in the restaurant, his wife is nowhere to be seen. The last time he saw her to him was just a second ago, but it's been two and a half hours and his wife is not in the restaurant. So he picks up his phone. He's lazy, right? That she just parked outside in the parking lot. He calls her. He could have walked outside by then. I guess nowadays they just have their phone numbers programmed into the phone. But anyways, he's like, I could walk 50 feet or I'll use this phone. Calls her, no answer. He gets up, he walks out of the parking lot, gets to the van. She's just waking up as well. She wakes up from the van and she also now realizes she looks at her phone. It's been two and a half hours. She goes, I just walked up to the van to change my clothes. I don't even remember falling asleep. She was just in mid clothes change and she passed out. And Charles goes, yeah, I don't remember it either. I don't, like, I got down off the ladder, smoked a cigarette, next thing you know, I'm waking up on this bench. They go back into the restaurant. They're completely puzzled as to how they both fell asleep. I mean, they understand, and they understand how humans do get tired, but this was totally out of nowhere for both of them. They walk back into the restaurant. The lights are still flashing on and off, and something has tripped the alarm system in the restaurant. But since it, the, the restaurant was under construction and there was crews coming in and out throughout the day and then they were there at night, the alarm system wasn't even set. So they had to notify local security guard to come and reset the alarm. He's all waking up. He's like, what, huh? But he always falls asleep. He's super lazy. He's like, oh, yeah, no, that wasn't a uh, lost time for me. I just like to sleep on the job. I'm the worst security guard ever. Security guard comes, resets the alarm. Charles and his wife can't figure out what that was. What could that have possibly been? I mean, other than falling asleep. Humans do fall asleep. It's weird that they both fell asleep at the same time. They don't normally fall asleep in the middle of the evening. In fact, they work late. This is quite odd. But what are you going to do? But get back to work. So Charles climbs up to the top of that ladder to paint again. And that's when he realized this is the first indication that you could say, well, you know, people do fall asleep. People get tired. But this is the first indication and a very interesting piece of proof to this whole lost time scenario. He climbs to the top of the ladder, goes to grab his paintbrush, and he looks at it. The paint on the paintbrush is still wet. And he says this, he says, quote, Flat latex paint dries up a brush in less than two hours in an air-conditioned environment. I put that brush down at almost 8 p.m. It was 10.45 when I picked up my brush again. My brush's timeline was only 5 to 10 minutes, whereas my wife and I's was nearly three hours. So this is this is a very interesting clue for lost time because generally when we look at these lost time stories they almost always involve an alien encounter. It goes like this. Someone's driving down the road, it's a half hour trip. When the car finally pulls into their house, they get out, they walk inside, their wife's like, "Where have you been? Where have you been?" They look at the clock. They've been gone for 3 hours. 
that's generally how we see these lost time stories. People are in their house. They're sitting there in front of the television. The next thing you know, it's eight in the morning. They have no recollection of what happened before. And then usually with hypnosis or nightmares or however the blanks are filled in, it turns out they had some sort of alien encounter during that time. That's how lost time normally works. But this has a physical piece of evidence. There is a type of paint that had two and a half hours truly passed in the real world for these individuals and this restaurant. That paint would have been dry. He would have had to, you know, wash it off. Start it over again. I don't know how you fix a paintbrush. Just throw it away. Get a new one. But the fact is, when he went up there, it looked like it had been sitting out for five to ten minutes. Which I would argue, I would argue would be the amount of time since they woke up was probably five or ten minutes. From the time that they woke up, he walked out to the van, talked to her, came back in, called the security guard. That probably was maybe five to fifteen minutes right there. So it was like time completely stopped. In that restaurant, until they woke up and then time started again. Because the paintbrush, by him being an expert and looking at the paintbrush, he could go, yeah, it was left out for a little bit, but it should have been dry. If, if, if the paintbrush was actually left out, if we both went to our respective places and took a nap, when I went to the top of that ladder, the paint would have been dried on the paintbrush. So interesting piece of evidence. What happened here? What actually happened here? Does time, does this phenomenon of lost time, up until this story, you would think it affected the individuals. That the individual is getting abducted, something's happened to the individual and they're being put back into place and the real world continued to move forward, they just don't remember the time. This makes it seem like it's some sort of geographical area phenomenon, as in these lost time events affect a small area physical area not just the people themselves it it would be interesting to note stories where people were smoking cigarettes they had an experience of lost time and the cigarette is still not completely burned to the filter right which would be very quick it would be a very quick lost time event but other things how much gasoline is in a car a candle burning Fascinating, fascinating story. Actually, this is I. This guy posted this under the name Zesty Close Gift Two Seventy. I looked at some of the other posts because I've had to. I've said this hundred times before, but I like to explain it. There are stories I find that are so fascinating, and then I look through their posting history, and they've had a hundred fascinating once in a lifetime paranormal stories. I read a story the other day about this girl who experienced what we call. Uh, darkness Egyptian. It's this phenomenon, the black bedroom phenomenon, where the world seems to go pitch black, where there's no lights anywhere. It's this weird flicker. And I love that phenomenon. It's one that we've been piecing together on this show. I'll put some episodes in the show notes. She had one of those stories and I was like, aha, it's another clue to what this phenomenon may be. And then her next post was, I'll put this in the show notes, but she was walking down the street in Italy or something like that, and her favorite chocolate bar fell out of the sky into her hand. And I was like, okay, now you're just making, now she's, now you're just making stuff up. Now you're just making stuff up. And then I looked through more of their posts. There was more just stuff like that, like mimics. Like it was basically like a smorgasbord of just one of once in a lifetime paranormal events happening over and over again. Maybe, right? I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of weird stuff happen to me. 
But it was, I was like, oh man, <laughs> like I hate it when I come across that. I like to do my due diligence. This guy posted one other story about a ghost that didn't, I, 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 I personally wasn't that entertained by it. Um, I'll put it in the show. I'll put it, obviously you can check it out. But, um, and then most of the time he was talking about Arcade Fire, the band, not an actual Arcade Fire. But so, yeah, I like to see that where people tend to have relatively normal lives. And then they're like, oh, this once in a lifetime event that may change the way we look at Lost Time happened to me. And then they're like, hey, did you hear about the new Arcade Fire album? It makes things a little more legitimate versus every single possible paranormal thing that can happen is that one happened to you. And it just, but anyway, so this is a super interesting clue. This may not be a single, generally it's people in their vehicles being abducted. This may affect, and again, this is from May 2016. He recently posted this, like with it this year, he posted this. Um, who knows where this goes? Like if he ever has thought about undergoing hypnosis to figure out, he's, he's a busy guy. He's writing books on ceilings. But regression hypnotherapy, if he's had any dreams or anything like that. So who knows? But it's a fascinating clue about what could actually be going on. Steroids and crack cocaine. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world famous Carpenter Copter. Everyone cram on board while this drug-fueled maniac flies us out of here. We're leaving behind Atlanta, Georgia. Steroids and crack cocaine. Take us all the way out too. A house in the suburbs. And I want to do a really quick Dead Rabbit Radio Recommends. I forgot to do it on yesterday's episode. Patreon members, we do a monthly movie night. We just started doing it in April where we watch a bunch of short horror movies and sci-fi films, like 20 minutes tops. We watch about two, two and a half hours because I figure it's easier for people. It's hard to say, hey, everyone get together. We're going to watch a whole movie. You're going to lose your whole Friday night. People just come and go as they please watching these movies, all these short films that we found. But if you're not a member of the Patreon, I actually have a YouTube playlist where you can watch all the movies that we watched last movie night. We watch them together. But if you want to watch them on your own, all of them were... Great to mediocre. There was no really bad ones, but we have that in the show notes. I'll put that in the show notes, YouTube playlist. But the one I want to recommend above all others, it might be, I watched it twice. I watched it twice, and it's one of those movies, the second time you see it, you're seeing some new stuff because you kind of know how everything's going to play out. There was a short film called The Chair. I'll put it in the show notes. The Chair. It's such a generic title, you're going to have a hard time finding it. But it is fantastic. I love short horror films. You know, you everything from The Twilight Zone to just, like, Stephen King's, to me, his best works was his short stories. His most imaginative stuff was his short stories. And The Chair fits into just that classic horror story told in only 22 minutes. Like, and when you, it was directed by a guy named Curry Barker, which is a, he does YouTube comedy skits. And when you look at somebody like Jordan Peele and you look at somebody like Curry Barker, there is such a close connection between comedy and horror because they're both built on the punchline. Horror, the punchline is scary. And the comedy, the punchline is funny. But 
there's such a close connection between horror and comedy that I can see a director being good. At, I can see a comedy director being great at directing horror movies. Horror movies going to comedies. That director might be a little have a little bit of hard thing. But Curry Barker, man, this movie, this short film is fantastic, and I don't want to give anything away because as we were watching it on the Patreon movie night and we were discussing it as it was going, we were tossing out theories of what was going to happen next. And part of the journey is not knowing anything about it. Like, literally, I picked it at random. I was just down, I was just grabbing random short horror films, and it's one of my favorites. The Chair. And I watched it twice. Like, we watched it the first time, and we were discussing it as it was going on, and we were making all these guesses, and no one was even close. And then when you watch it again, you see so much, like, you have so many questions when you're done with it. And then you watch it again, and now you have new questions because you're noticing different things. It's absolutely fantastic. There was one particular line that was so terrifying in it. Everyone in the chat just went, oh my God, that's so, so creepy. And it happens in the middle when you still don't know what is going on. And we're like, wow, that's really like just that thought. It's it, it was fantastic. I recommend every even if you stop listening to this podcast right now, check out the chair by Curry Barker. I'll have the YouTube link in the show notes, and it's fantastic. I can't wait to watch his other stuff. If it's half as good as the chair, I'm gonna be thoroughly impressed. Dead Rabbit Radio recommends the short horror movie, The Chair. Steroids and crack cocaine is currently flying this carpenter copter over this suburban neighborhood. We're about to meet a man named Tony. That's actually not his real name. We're giving him that name. But Tony, Tony's currently living at home with, well, obviously most people live in their home, but he's living in his parents' home. And the home he grew up in, he's he's on his bed super tiny. He's like wearing pajamas. They only go up to his knees. He's like, oh, mom, I know that I'm an adult living with you guys. And that's pretty cool. Because I have awesome parents, but do I have to wear do I have to wear this Battlestar Galactica underoos? And she's like, "Yes, everything must be exactly like it was." <laughs> His mom's a maniac. He's all I've been trying to leave. I actually have an MBA. I make four hundred thousand a year, but my mom is freaking out. She keeps thinking I'm eight, so I'm stuck here. He lives with his parents, and his girlfriend lives there as well. So, man, you've got to imagine this family better get along. Otherwise, it would just be constant chaos in this house. I'm sure they do. His mom his mom seems like kind of a nutbag. But anyways, it's around 10 or 11 p.m. on July 14th, 2018, and Tony's laying in bed with his girlfriend, and when his girlfriend gets up and leaves the room to go do something, he's just kind of kicking back on bed. And the bedroom light is on. It's not bedtime. He's just kind of chilling. The girlfriend's most likely going to come back. At some point, probably just got to use the bathroom. He's just laying there. And all of a sudden, his bed starts to shake. And I said just last week, that was one of my childhood fears. Is trying to go to sleep in my bed shaking. I don't know where I got that fear from. Might have just been hearing about the movie The Exorcist. But my, there would be nights where I would just be begging please don't make my bed shake it was deep-rooted fear please don't make my bed shake please don't make my bed shake i was so afraid i don't know where that came from but that was just a fear of mine or it could have happened and i blocked out the memory honestly that's kind of where i'm thinking but tony's laying there in bed and he's feeling his bed shake and it's not shaking super violently but it's definitely shaking 
he realizes something's going on. Obviously, your bed's shaking. Probably something. He starts to look around his room. The room's completely lit up. Bedroom light's on. He's looking around his room. And then when he looks over to his right, he sees heat waves. Heat waves that make the shape of a human standing in his room. He can see right through it, just like you can when you're looking at heat waves and you're driving down the road. But these heat waves don't have just an indistinct end. It's in the shape of a human. It is as if a man is standing there, cloaked. But the cloaking isn't perfect. You can still see that there's something there. You can still make out the shape of a man, but you can't see anything else. And he's looking over at this entity. And that's when Tony realizes the reason the bed is shaking. Tony said the bed was shaking because I was shaking. Subconsciously, he gripped the bed and began to tremble with fear. Before he even saw it, his body was reacting to something that shouldn't exist. He says, I stared at this entity as it stood there in the room, and then it started walking towards me. And something in my mind, some instinct in my animal brain said, get out. Just get out. Tony jumped up out of bed and he goes, I ran so fast down the stairs. I don't even remember remember going down the stairs. He hits the stairs and he's just down at the bottom. He honestly probably skipped a couple. He doesn't remember. He ran downstairs and downstairs... Just hanging out was his girlfriend, his mom, his dad, and his sister. They were all just hanging out there. And when he came running into the room, they all realized, they're like, dude, are you okay? I mean, <laughs> you, you hovered, you hovered, hovered your way down the stairs. That was weird. They, they all realized he looked sickly. He looked pale. He looked terrified. He's probably drenched in sweat, probably still shaking. Everyone's like, oh my God, Tony, are you okay? What happened? Why are you so upset? And as he's looking at these four people, these four people that he loves, his family and his girlfriend, he doesn't say anything. He does not talk about what he saw standing up there. He keeps it to himself because, again, it's so crazy sounding. Well, a week later... Tony's hanging out of the house, and his 10-year-old niece, we'll call her Jackie. His 10-year-old niece, Jackie, is over at the house playing around. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm, I'm your niece. We're like, yeah, we know. You're 10 years old. We've known you for 10 years. Wee, look at me. Anyways, uh, Jackie is out playing on a four-wheeler. She's riding on a four-wheeler, which I don't think it's like one of the motorized ones. Or probably just like a bike with four wheels i don't know but anyway she's out playing on a four-wheeler and tony's sitting in the house just hanging out probably watching television well a short while later he hears the door open and in walks jackie 
completely, completely pale. And Tony goes, hey, what, what's the matter? What's going on? And Jackie kind of sits down on the couch and she goes, I don't want you to think I'm stupid or anything. But I was out on the four-wheeler and I saw an invisible person. And I know you're going to ask, how did I see someone who's invisible? It was like, I just see a shape. And it looked, it was like the size of an adult. I was riding the four-wheeler and I saw it. And then it started chasing me. So I came back. I walked through that door. <laughs> I walked through that door, pale. But I know it sounds ridiculous. I, I, I don't know what I saw, but I'm pretty sure it was a person. This is an entity, and I, I'm not for sure if we've... I don't think we've done a full episode on them. I could be wrong. Um, we might have mentioned them in passing. They're called the Glimmer Man. <laughs> not the Steven Seagal movie. The Glimmer Man. I guess the Glimmer Man... There's a subreddit for Glimmer Man, and they're constantly getting trolled with memes from that movie, that Steven Seagal movie. But anyways, the Glimmer Man... They should have picked a better name. That's kind of on them. That's kind of on them to have named it after a Steven Seagal movie. But anyways, the Glimmer Man. It's this entity that has been seen all over. It's not super common. It's not as common as the Shadow Man. But we're starting to see reports or have been seeing reports for a couple of years about this entity that appears to be cloaked, but it's not the best cloaking. I mean, obviously, it's better than zero cloak. It's better than just a guy standing in your bedroom, right? Versus a guy that you can barely see. And even though you can barely see him, it's actually pretty good cloaking because no one will believe you. But the Glimmer Man is something that we've seen fairly recently. We're starting to see more and more accounts of this type of cloaked entity these guys have been connected to everything from missing 411 stories a lot of people there's you know missing 411 that idea that people disproportionately go missing in national parks in the united states than they do in other parts of america they some people connect that to bigfoot some people connect it to interdimensional portals some people connect it to glimmerman glimmerman and in that case the glimmerman is actually a covert like special ops forces, like they're human who are using cloaking technology. In the Glimmer Man, I know this game is super confusing, but so that's one of the missing 411 scenarios. It's like a human hunting thing with people using cloaking technology. In the Glimmer Man subculture, like the people who believe in the Glimmer Man, some of them believe that this type of phenomenon is a man in a suit, and other people believe it's some sort of extra-dimensional entity what is it we don't know there's not a ton of resources on it there's not a ton most accounts are pretty much what i read you that's why again i don't we covered a story a long time ago which i really thought was creepy about the mother and the son who were in their house and they looked out it was raining and they saw where the rain was hitting the outline of a man He was standing, I think, underneath their rain gutter or something like that, and they actually looked like the water was hitting his head and splashing over his shoulders, but there was nobody there. That was like a true invisible man. He would have been completely invisible had he not been standing in the rain. 
right? This Glimmer Man is, they always have that, that heat wave, that heat wave visual when they're moving around or just even just standing there. What are these things? They tend to set, they, they tend to come off as more hostile than just a ghost. I don't know if it's because it, it seems hostile simply if we can't see someone because we can't read their face. We don't know what their motives are. This one was also chasing a 10-year-old girl and it seemed to be attempting to get Tony as well. And I got this story from Phantoms and Monsters. We don't have much more information, but he said, Tony said that four years later, he saw, he had another experience where he saw Glimmer Man, but he was unsure if that was a separate entity or the same one that he saw in his room. But... There's no more details on that. Uh, Phantoms and Monsters didn't have any more information on what that encounter would have included. I mean, four years later, that would have just been last year to us. What is this phenomenon? We don't know. It could easily be a trick of the light. It could be people watching the Predator and letting their imagination get the best of them. It could be the, the U.S. military watching Predator and saying, I want that. I want that technology. Also, can you give me a nuclear bomb in my arm? They're like, General, listen, there's only so much we can do. First off, please stop watching science fiction movies. Secondly, we could probably figure out a way to make you cloak, but <laughs> you can't put a nuclear bomb in your arm. He's like, oh man, my dreams dashed yet again. It's interesting to think what this could be. And that's where I kind of want to wrap this episode up because... And again, I may have mentioned it once or twice on the show before. Maybe this is the first time I've really talked about the Glimmer Man. I can't recall. But what I find so interesting about this phenomenon is how new it is. And you have to wonder, like, is it new because if it's human-based, because the te- that would make sense. If the technology didn't exist in the 1970s, then of course we'd have no stories of that. And the technology exists now, and that's why we're seeing more and more reports of this. But if it's not that, if it's an extra-dimensional entity, it really blows the lid off of what the world of the paranormal is. And I don't want to go on on a huge rant about this stuff. I find this stuff so fascinating. That's the thing. I could honestly talk about this stuff for hours. I do. Technically, I do. I try to be respectful of people's time. You know, I can try to keep it to about 45, 50 minutes tops because you got you got other stuff to do. I can talk about this stuff all day long. But this idea that we don't know what's out there. We don't know what's out there. Right when we think when we have, we'll never have it all figured out, right? Until we become the ghost and then we go, oh, that was that was all real. As you're floating around, you're like, oh, ghosts are real. But, you know, you when we're kids, we learn about Bermuda Triangle. We learn about missing people. We learn about ghosts and UFOs and aliens and conspiracies or, you know, like the basic conspiracies, JFK, things like that. Who built the pyramids? Where does, where does Lyme disease come from? These, these early building blocks... And one of the things I love about doing this show is I feel like this show is pushing that boundary, helping at least, because obviously I'm not experiencing this stuff. I'm collating all this stuff. But together, too, you as the listener, we're all part of this. We're pushing the boundaries of what the world of the paranormal is. That's why I love covering these stories that most people don't know about. That's why I spend so much time a week 
getting this stuff because I think stories like this, stories like the paintbrush, like what does that add to the world of the paranormal? Think about it, scientists are still out there discovering new species of animals on this planet. And I think the world of the paranormal is the same way. I think there are phenomenon out there. I think there are entities out there and experiences out there that we don't even know exist yet. Either because they haven't been publicized or they have been written about, but they haven't been discussed in the proper forum. Someone just says something, tells a friend, posts something online, and then no one else really finds out. Or the people don't survive the encounter. I don't think the world is limited to angels and demons or ghosts and ghouls or alien races. I think there's stuff out there that we have no idea. We have zero idea it even exists. Even the myths of old. Like we can connect a lot of the stuff that we talk about here, life after death. Ancient cultures talked about that. Shapeshifters, ancient cultures talked about that. Visitors from the sky, ancient cultures talked about that. There's phenomenon that they haven't even cataloged, that mankind just has lived alongside and we don't know. And that's what I find so fascinating about this stuff. Is even in the world of the unknown, even people like us who spend so much time researching about the world of the paranormal, there is stuff out there that we can't even think exists like this glimmerman phenomenon is is relatively new as opposed to something like bigfoot which was relatively new as opposed to something like ghosts but all of these pieces have kind of been added in and it's building this puzzle of the world of the paranormal but this puzzle we're putting together it has no edge pieces. At least none that we can have ever been able to identify. It just keeps sprawling out in every single direction, and I love it. I find this so fascinating. And you think, what are going to be the cryptids and the legends and the entities that we're going to be studying 100, 300, 1,000 years from now? I don't think they'll be talking about the same aliens, the same ghosts. There'll be whole new things to explore. New things will be discovered. And who knows? Technology gets good enough. We may be able to prove that alien life exists somewhere out there. We may be visited by said alien life. There could be a whole bunch of things. But I still think that not all of these mysteries will be solved. So who knows what new entities will be discovered in the coming years, decades centuries, millennia. It's just this whole tale of the human race living alongside something that, while it seems unexplainable, we use that word all the time, and actually probably is unexplainable in human terms. What else is out there? What else have we not discovered? Or again, more more menacingly, what has been discovered but the only people who ever experienced it didn't live to tell the tale? I think there's a huge amount of that. I think there's a huge amount of paranormal activity or extra-dimensional activity or alien activity, whatever it is, that we don't know about because no one lives to tell the tale. I think that is the unsung story of the paranormal topic. Terrifying. That's a terrifying thought. 
So fast. I love talking about this stuff. I can talk about it all the time. I mean, obviously, obviously, this could just be a bunch of people just running around in cloaking suits, which I mean, wouldn't necessarily be disappointing. That's pretty cool. It sucks that they're killing people in the national parks, but I'm not an outdoorsy guy anyway, so I'm not too worried about it. It could just be guys in cloaking suits running around, which I guess actually now think about it, they're chasing around a 10 year old girl. It's a bad use of, of federal dollars building your cloaking suit, but who knows what this is, whether it's a guy in a suit, whether it's an entity that has recently been discovered, who knows, but I love this type of stuff. And I, these type of stories make me think what else is out there? The paintbrush gave us a clue to what may be part of the time slip, part of this lost time scenario, but does it answer it? No, it just gives us a unique piece of evidence. Does it affect not the individual, but a geographical area? That's absolutely fascinating. And then this thing, what is this? What new entity are we going to find three years from now doing episodes of Dead Rabbit Radio where we start seeing new reports? Fascinating stuff. The Black Bedrooms thing. That's a new phenomenon that's slowly being stitched together. And some of it's been debunked. Some of it's been confirmed. Well, actually, none of it's been confirmed. But it's also fascinating. I love finding these new puzzle pieces to this what is the world of the paranormal? And the beauty of it is, is the more we look, the more pieces we find. And even though we know we're never going to find the answer or the whole answer, it's still just such a fascinating journey to be on. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.